0: all right good morning again church how we doing good are we awake are we feeling good Yes, 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 Uh, so glad that you're here worshiping with us. Uh, If you're still grabbing coffee, tea, food in the back, uh, take your time, you're good. If you're uh, sitting in the room here and you feel like you need to get up at any reason or at any point, feel free to do so. You're not distracting any of us, we'll roll with it. We want you to feel at home, especially if you're a guest or a visitor. Uh, We really want you to know uh, that at least for today, you're home, uh, and we hope that you'll consider. Uh, joining us in future weeks as well. Uh, Well, we come this morning to our last time together in our series through the uh, New Testament epistle, uh, 2 Peter. And so I'm going to invite you, if you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and grab uh, those, open them up, lay them on your lap. Uh, If you have your phone, turn your phone on. There's also Bibles in most of the chairs in front of you. You can grab one of those, but there's something really powerful to have the Bible open on our lap and kind of digging into it uh, we began with a this wonderful affirmation in second Peter uh, chapter 1 verse 3 his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness because we are followers of Jesus we have uh, this present, provision if you would all things that pertain to life and godliness he's given every everything that we need we're not going to get anything more we've got everything we need to live this life of godliness through a relationship with Jesus Christ himself everything that we're going to need in order to be what god calls us to be in this life on this side of the new heaven and the new earth he has given us all of that and in addition how we can serve him, he's given us all of those provisions as well, all through Jesus Christ, amen? amen. So in chapter 1, we, I'm going to do a quick recap, ready? So in chapter 1, we saw how the apostle Peter instructs us to rise up with confidence, To not be sheepish, to not kind of sit back, to not view ourselves as wounded or as victims, but to be confident in God's provision and to build faithfully on the foundation of the materials that he's already given us. Uh, Which means we're not done. That's essentially what Peter's trying to say is keep going. Uh, And at the end of chapter 1, Peter affirmed to us that we can build on the faith with Christ, on our assurance, and that's because of the apostolic promises about our Lord Jesus. They're not myths. They're, they're not tales that have been handed down for generations, that Jesus really is who he said he was. And this is in order to combat the false teaching that is spreading all throughout Asia Minor all throughout the churches, not outside the church, inside the church, that's what's going on. And Peter makes it abundantly clear in pushing back against these false teachings that not only is Jesus truly the son of God, that he came and he lived and he died and he was resurrected, but that he really is coming back and that there will be a new heaven, that there will be a new earth, that there will be no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow. And he wants to make that abundantly clear. Now, not everyone believed. Not everyone bought into uh, the Scriptures. Not everyone bought into the Gospel. And not, not everyone stayed faithful to the truth teachings that the apostles handed down about Jesus. And so in chapter 2, Peter warns us. And he spends a long time uh, sounding the alarms for warnings. Warnings about the dangers of false teachers who would arise not outside the church, in here, false teaching that would, that would rise up inside the church walls and mislead God's people and seek to sway them away from what would be a sincere faith. And, and, and we learned that it, it doesn't always happen so blatantly. It can happen cryptically. It, it can happen really slowly that you don't even know what's happening. And we unpacked what heresy is, and that is so close to the truth, but it gives you an option. And so he warns in great detail the character of these false teachers that would come. And then in chapter 3, we hit a lot of this last week with Steve. Uh, In chapter 3, Peter speaks about the promise of the Lord's return. the, The hope that we have and warned of the way that many unbelievers would experience the last days and that they would mock the whole idea of this Jesus returning. And that's foreshadowing for us that there will be mockers and scoffers and and heretics that go, there's no way Jesus is coming back. And we see that even today it happens. And here's how Peter affirmed to us in spite of that mocking and unbelief, he says this in chapter three, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. That is, in other words, there will be a day of reckoning, and it is coming. So that's our brief look in the rearview mirror as we travel down this road and end our series in 2 Peter. And all of that brings us to this morning's passage as we get ready to close. It's Peter's closing comments to his brothers and sisters in Christ. He knows he's not long for this earth. He knows his time on this side of glory is coming to an end, and he wants to make it very, very clear what's important. That is, in light of the Lord's promised return and the promise of a new heaven and a new earth, in light of the fact that many deceivers and scoffers are gonna come up and on the scene in the church, what is it that you do with it? And that's what Peter wants to end with. So would you please stand and let's listen to Peter close our series together with this beautiful letter. 2 Peter chapter 3:14 through 18 So then dear friends since you are looking forward to this meaning the end times since you're looking forward to this make every effort to be found spotless blameless and at peace with him Bear in mind that our Lord's patient patience means salvation Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all of his letters, speaking in them of these matters. Now, his letters do contain some things that are hard to understand. Amen? Okay. Even Peter thought that. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do with all the other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Do you see what Peter's attempting to do? In verse 18, he says, but grow, we're gonna really camp on this, but grow, how? Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word grow here is an imperative in in the Greek. It's a verb. And the imperative means it's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not an option. It's a command. You are to grow grow. So I'm going to try that right now, grow. grow. No, I'm going to, I want you to grow right now, just like, yeah, thank you, Ed. Like, we've got several who have just grown right before our eyes. Amazing, thank you, Will. Peter is commanding his followers, these fellow Christians, grow. And you can't really speak to someone and say, grow, can you? All of us know that Peter simply speaking these words is not going to cause fellow followers of Jesus to grow right before his eyes. But this command can be obeyed. This is very, very important for us, for for those who claim and and, and live a life of following Jesus. This is so important. This command, this Greek word, grow, can be obeyed. Obeyed. Now, before we talk about what it means to obey this command, I want you to consider five things. If you're a note taker, you're going to love this morning. Five quick things. We're going to keep the bus moving, but five things in the context here that teaches us about growth mentioned in verse 18. So we're going to we're going to put the bee and boogie and move right along. So first, if you look back at verse 14, we discover that we grow today because of our hope for God's tomorrow. That is really, really important because if we just want to grow in today, today can be really depressing. Today can be really exhausting. Today can be filled with hopelessness and defeat and, and depression and anxiety and, 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 and. But we grow today because of our hope for God's tomorrow a new heaven, a new earth. As Steve taught us last week, if we obey, if we belong to Jesus, Through faith, then our future home is going to be the new heaven and the new earth that the Scriptures talk about, specifically in verse 13. But notice what else verse 13 tells us about this new world. It's a world in which righteousness dwells. Now, we could do an entire sermon series, several weeks, just unpacking what does it mean for righteousness to dwell. But if we are anticipating that kind of a world... A, a, a world in which righteousness dwells. A world that's free from sin's corruption. A, a world in which God is always honored. That there's always peace and harmony. Not just with God, that's important, that's going to be. But the new heaven and new earth, we will always have harmony. That's good news for some of you married couples. You will always have harmony. Harmony. There will never be problems. There will never be issues. There will never be tension, ever. That time is going to be amazing. And if we want to live in that kind of a world someday, then we should start living like that today. Very, very important. Because as Christ followers, we don't wait for the day of righteousness to come. We live in righteousness today you have righteousness in you. The Bible makes that abundantly clear. When when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you get imparted with righteousness, so live in it, with purpose and with intention. Second, the first half of verse 15 reminds us that we grow because God has given us time to grow. That's good news for some of us that keep screwing up. We keep growing because God gives us time to grow. Peter is telling them, if God has given you more time, then use your time. How many of you have told your kids, or you've been told, use your time wisely? Anyone utter that phrase to their kids? Use your time wisely. And that's what Peter is doing here. He's going, hey, you don't know when your time is up. It could be at any moment. So use your time wisely. Every minute of every hour that Jesus does not return to our world is another minute or another hour in which God is calling us to grow. That means we don't just sit on our laurels. Like We don't don't just sit and go, oh, well, I know enough. I've been involved in church enough. Been there, done that. Oh, join a Bible study. No, I've been through thousands of those. Great add one. Join a life group. Ah, been there, done that. Peter's going, please don't do that. If you still have breath, do something. Keep growing. Because God is merciful, he gives us time. All of us should be grateful for another day. Why? Because you need to get your act together because I need to get my act together. And God says, don't just sit on the couch and just stare at the clouds. Do something, do something with your faith, keep growing. I'm in it with you, let's do this. And that's what God wants to say to us today. That if we have time, that time is to be transformed because it's time to grow. Third, in verse 15 through 16, we see that we grow when we truly understand God's word. This is why we push so much here at Rock Creek Church to be in your Bible, be in your Bible, read your Bible, read the scriptures, why? So that you can learn more about God? Yeah, absolutely, so that you can learn the richness of scripture, so that you can tie everything together and, and really have your faith secured? Yes to all that, but being in the scriptures is your number one way to grow. Barna Research constantly puts out that roughly like 70% of Christians never read their Bibles. I don't understand that. It's beyond my comprehension that, that if you truly say Jesus is my Lord, that I'm gonna stake my whole life, my whole foundation on him, then why wouldn't you wanna read about him? If you're gonna go to heaven someday... And live with God, wouldn't you want to know what that next life is going to be like? I mean, how many of you book a trip on a vacation and I go, hey, so, so where are you going? You're like, ah, kind of like South America, but I don't really know. <laughs> well, how much did that cost you? i like five grand. I'll find out when I get there. Not any of you would do that, and yet we do that with heaven the new heaven, the new earth, where your eternal destination is going to be is all wrapped up, it's spelled out in this book. So when we grow, we truly understand God's word. The last half of verse 15 together with 16 reveals that very point. In some of Paul's writing, it's hard to understand. The amount of people over the last roughly 26 years that I've been in ministry, the amount of people that have come to me and said, man, the Bible's hard to understand sometimes. I'm like, really? Amen. <laughs> like, almost like they're expecting me to kinda of push back on that and go, no, 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 I can fully explain everything. The Bible's hard to understand sometimes, yes? Yeah. Can we be okay with that? Yeah. Theological truths are hard to understand sometimes. They're hard to swallow, they're hard to accept. That's okay. Peter had a hard time with Paul's writings. It's probably okay for us to have a hard time with some of Paul's writings. We can't miss the point. Peter is telling his readers that a correct, a right understanding of God's word will drive us into growth. It's God's word that teaches us about what's to come. It's God's word that teaches us how to do true forgiveness. It, it's God's word that helps us understand what it is to live a life of grace and mercy, which, can we give a hearty amen? This world needs more grace. That's what God's word does. That God's word teaches us how we interact with one another. God's word teaches us how to get our hearts and our lives right so that we are ready when the king of kings comes back. That's what God's word does. It teaches us about God's patience. It's God's word that commands us, grow. You are to grow. And Peter is merely God's mouthpiece. It's not Peter's command. It's the Holy Spirit's command to you and I. You see, the scriptures don't teach us, as we talked about, just sit back and relax. Just go on a hike, go to El Dorado Springs, bring your hammock, find a a nice set of trees, set up your hammock, lay in your hammock and listen to the water, and stare at the sky and wait for Jesus to come back. That would be great. I would do that every day. If if that would be an easy command in the scriptures, I would love that, but he doesn't. He says, go. Go go and make disciples go be made into the image of what i always wanted you to become go philippians chapter 3 verse 14 tells us this press on towards the goal to win the prize for which god has called me heavenward in christ jesus press on keep moving you are not too old you do not know enough keep moving any of you remember uh, the, the ignorant decision of parents where they, we, we, we will take our kids when they're really, really young on a long hike? It's not their fault, it's our fault. We do that. I've done that with my boys when they're really little. And then I would say, we gotta keep moving. Like, night is coming. We've gotta keep moving. Like, bears are coming. Like, we gotta keep moving. That's on me. But nevertheless, the analogy is true. and P and, and all of this, is pushing us, keep pressing on. Get in a life group. Go on a mission trip. Serve the homeless. Love your neighbor. Think about others more than you think about self. Keep moving. Next, if we look at verse 18, we learn that when we grow, we grow in the foundation or, or the soil, if you were would, of the gospel. That's how we grow. We grow in the foundation of the gospel. Notice this exact wording of this grow command. But grow, where should we grow? Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's where you're to grow. Just camp out on that and keep growing. But Peter is not just describing growth in knowledge. But grace and knowledge, why is that important? He isn't simply talking about grace and knowledge in a general sense from a 30,000 foot, but the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's important because Peter couldn't be any more specific. And in light of Peter's talking about knowledge all throughout this epistle, I don't think he's commanding them to grow in greater degrees of grace and knowledge. What I believe is that he is calling followers to grow in the foundation of the grace and the knowledge that they've already received. You have everything you need to grow. Peter makes that clear. You have all of Jesus, you have all of his forgiveness. You have all of his grace. You have all of his mercy. You have all of it. There's no more that's coming. But grow in that. Camp your life on that. You see, real spiritual growth cannot take place when we do not know or if our focus is distracted from Jesus, if it's on something else. And we do that a lot in the church. We will camp out on issues. We will camp out on theological issues. We will camp out on on biblical disagreements. We will camp out on carpet color. Not our church, but others will. We will camp out on several things. But our spiritual growth, your spiritual growth, ours as a church, we cannot if our focus, our attention is not on Jesus. It just won't work. And this is the foundation of the gospel that that he gives us because of his death and his resurrection. And when you attempt to grow outside of this foundation, you will always, always veer in the direction of legalism or license. Here's what I mean by that. Your so-called spiritual life, I don't mean that to be derogatory in a general sense. An individual's so-called spiritual life, if not focused on Jesus, will drive itself into legalism or license. That is, that you will either be about pride and performance Or you will be about freedom and what you feel is best. What what you think is best. That's what happens when we get off the main point. Which is why, if you attend this church for any length of time, you will hear the name of Jesus proclaimed a hundred times on a given Sunday. Because that's our focus. And it has to remain our focus. Collectively, not just individually, but for all of us as a church. Because if we keep our focus on that, then we will continue to grow. The gospel firmly roots us in grace and knowledge. And real growth is nourished. Notice it's there, it can be there. But that growth is only nourished by the fact that we are unconditionally accepted by Jesus Christ when we have no reason to be accepted. Don't take this personally. There's no reason God should love you. There, amen. Some of you are really keenly aware of that. Some of you are like, really? I mean, look at this. There's no reason that God should love you, much less kill his son on your behalf. None. You're nothing without Jesus. You mean nothing without Jesus. You are worthless without Jesus. And so am I. And that is so important because why? That keeps us humble. Mark said it the other day when he was up here preaching in 2 Peter. The the ability to stand before a crowd, and for those of you who are online, is the most humbling thing in the world. Because I know who I am. And I am not worthy of a thing. And neither are you. And we obey this The last phrase in verse 18, and this is our fifth and final idea. We grow because he is worthy. We don't grow because I'm worthy. We don't grow because the church is worthy. We don't grow because our our spouse is worthy. We only grow because he is worthy. It's the only reason. And we obey this grow command because we recognize that Jesus Christ is worthy of every ounce, every drop of obedience that we can muster. He is worthy. The world's priorities are not worthy. The rat race of life that we all uh, slipped right back into uh, after coming out of the worst part of COVID, it's not worthy. Your marriage is not worthy. Your family is not worthy. Your dream job, your dream house, your dream car, your dream career, none of that is worthy. None of it. The almighty American dollar is not worthy. Feeling good or or feeling fulfilled or feeling like I did some good in this world, it's not worthy even the greatest social justice causes of our world is not worthy. None of it. None of it is worthy of our undivided love and obedience. But Jesus, he is worthy. And not only is he worthy, he demands it. He demands it from me. He demands it from you. And we grow because we want to have more and more of ourselves be consistently declaring this very statement at the end of the letter. To him be the glory now and to the day of eternity. Amen. You see, that's the goal of our lives. And you might be going, wow, I'm, a, I'm way far off than allowing my entire life to declare that. Wonderful. The scriptures tells us that he began the good work. You didn't begin the good work. He began the good work. He says, just stay with me. And if you lag behind, I'm a, I'm a great dad. I'll go back and walk slower with you. I'm not gonna be like Brian and yell at his kids and he tell, he tell you to keep up. I'm a loving father. I'm a loving God. I'm gonna come back and I'll walk slow with you. God doesn't turn around and shoot arrows at us with his eyes. He doesn't wave a finger. He he doesn't yell at us. He's kind. He's patient. He's understanding. And he's worthy. So in light of all these things, we have to come back to our original question that we posed earlier. How? How in the world do we obey the command, grow? I remember when I was uh, in the prepubescent years and I really wanted a goatee. And I looked every day, nothing. Every day, nothing. And I can remember looking there and going, okay, and I was young, so just forgiveness is, is a great characteristic. But I, you know, any of you ever hang on monkey bars to get taller? Thank you, Paul. Rest of you are either perfect or liars. <laughs> I remember hanging on the monkey bars and going, I can hit like 6'6", six, six eventually, if I lay here long enough. And I remember doing the same thing with, with facial hair, like, come on, grow, 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 nothing. Uh, a year ago, we planted this beautiful red maple in our backyard, just gorgeous. And I'm mowing, and I love to do yard work, and I stood before this tree And there was a moment where I realized I was watching it, waiting for it to grow. Now, before you mock me, it was just like a millisecond. But I had this vision of like, oh, it's going to be big and it's going to grow. And I'm watching the branches. And then I kind of like snapped out of it. You can't force growth. So how do we do exactly what that's asking of us? Look back with me. At 2 Peter chapter 1, let's end where we began. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? Notice how Peter encourages them to grow here. Not only does he remind them that God's power and promises have given them everything that they need to grow, he certainly does that, but he also describes the ways in which he is asking them to grow. A lot of times the scriptures leave us guessing this isn't one of them. How should I grow? Well, this is how you grow you grow in virtue, knowledge, self control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly, sisterly love, and affection for one another. That's how you grow. So we could say that the command to grow is a very personal charge. We could definitely do that. But it's largely worked out in a community context. Peter didn't write this to an individual. He didn't write it to you. He wrote it for the churches throughout that region. And the Spirit of God knew we would be reading it as a church. Can you grow individually with it? Of course you can. And you should. You should strive to grow through personal study, and personal disciplines, or or uh, putting personal priorities of the faith. That's absolutely how you should grow. But none of us can fully be nourished and grow apart from the body of Christ. We grow when each part of the body is working properly, and that is why we have life groups. So quick commercial. That's why we have life groups, so that you can keep growing. Does it give you friends? Absolutely it does, bless you. Uh, does, it, does it give you community? Of course it does. Does it help you walk through life so that you're not walking through it alone? Of Absolutely it does. Do you get to eat good food? Depends on your life group. Does it do any of those? Of course it does, but it helps you grow. Because we were never meant to grow all by ourselves, you will be stronger and healthier and grow more in a life group than you will all by yourself. And do you know that what all of this is, everything that we just talked about over the last several weeks in Second Peter, it's the flip side of the Great Commission. Just take the Great Commission and flip it on its head. It's not simply submitting to Jesus' call to go and make disciples. It's better than that. It's submitting to God's desire for us to be made disciples. That's how much God loves us. He he doesn't just say, go and do a bunch of work, go make disciples, go teach people, go help them walk through the Bible, just go work, 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 work. Okay, that would be exhausting, but he loves us so much that he says, you be a disciple, and let others help you become a disciple. Let others love you. Let others care for you. Let others carry you during your tough times. Allow yourself to be made a disciple. Because it's not just about engaging in the work of the Great Commission. It's also allowing that work to be made in you. And that's good news. The work of of making disciples and being made a disciple is not the job of of a precious few. It's every one of us. It's every one of you. Every one of you in this room. It's not the pastor's job. It's not the elder's job. It's not the base camp leader's job. It's not the life group. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have a command that your God has given you. Make disciples and you be my disciple. And if this causes you to feel a little uneasy, like, "Ah, I'm not doing much, then allow it to be convicting. Because you're missing out. Heavily missing out on part of the life of walking with Jesus. Ephesians chapter four, verse 16, tells us when each part is working properly, when the church is functioning, the body grows and builds itself up in love. And friends, that's what's happening here at Rock Creek Church. If this is your first Sunday, you've wandered in to a movement of God, not a movement of man. He is up to something. He's doing things. And you and I, we get to be a part of it. So simply hearing, as we get ready to close here, simply hearing this command grow is not going to cause us to grow. We will grow when we step out deeper into study and deeper into ministry, deeper into loving your neighbor as yourself and putting their concerns, their needs above yours. This has been an incredible journey. I'm gonna do one last. As we conclude, I've thought a lot about you as a church this week. Had a lot of time in that lobby, reading verses and reading prayers. And I thought a lot about you as the church. Your faces came to mind. Some of you longtime attenders and, and friends. Some of you brand-new friends, brand-new attenders. And your, the pictures of your faces just came to mind. I thought about all the steps that will be stepped on throughout that room for the weddings and the funerals and the potlucks and the events that will take place and I thought a lot about you. And I have to just say with the most sincerity that I can muster is I love you. I I truly love you. Some of that is choice. And some of that's from God. But I love you as the church. And my prayer for you is from Colossians. You can write it down or you can open it up. Uh, In Colossians chapter one, starting in verse nine. This is my prayer for you. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you or asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all the power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. This is my favorite verse in the, all of the scriptures. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, And brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption for the forgiveness of our sins. And then Peter doubles down on that. For he alone is worthy. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we cannot thank you enough. We deserve nothing. And yet, you give us everything. You treat us with love and mercy when that's the last thing we deserve. And as Alicia reminded us this morning in prayer, um, you don't see our sin, you don't see our constant mistakes. You look and see us as lovely because you see Jesus. Would you stir our hearts? stir our hearts so much deeper and wider than just Sunday morning. As we participate in life groups, as we serve at Lamb's Lunch, as we put these shoeboxes together to bless our friends and new friends down in Juarez, Mexico, as we dive deeper to serve the other, may we not lose focus. May we heed the warnings of Peter. And at the same time, end with, you are worthy. You are worthy of every drop of faith and every shout of praise. May we hold on to that perspective until you come again or until our last breath. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand and let's worship.